did you take the sweater off? No. <laughs> he does that sometimes. He gets he naked sometimes. Yeah. He gets naked. Ah. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Sorry, our cat has thumbs. Well done. Okay, good point. <laughs> Welcome to Make Believe Money. I'm Liz. I'm Damon. I'm Dan. Hey, Dan, what are we talking about today? We are finally, at long last, after much to do, going to talk about trading places. Merry Christmas to us all! I'm going to answer any and all questions Damon has about trading places, and then I will forbade him from ever speaking of it again. Oh, get That's it okay, because I I'm watched it this weekend, and yeah. I don't think I want to bring it up all that often did you <laughs> anymore. Wa- did you watch yeah, it recently? It's surprisingly racist. He's super yeah. racist. I had like, not remembered and or not sure I had ever seen it in its entirety, but it is... Uh, uh, so let's start with plot, I guess. No, I want to start with ratings this time. Okay. Because okay. I think we've started to talk about a little bit our, our feelings about it, and I think maybe that would be a good place to be. Um, I'll start and say that uh, this was not a movie that I had seen ever. I don't think. I've seen like little bits and pieces of it, like the beginning when Eddie Murphy's pretending he doesn't have legs to the cops. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like that might be it. And I was like, in my head, imagining that this movie was on the same par as most Mel Brooks movies. And I was like, this can't be any worse than like Blazing Saddles. Oh, Lord, it can be. (laughs) Uh, This movie is definitely a hard R. um, And I did not see it as a child and did not see it until we watched it yesterday. Yes. So Sunday. I am at a five because it's very fresh in my memory. That's Mm. fair. But it is not. And again. Ratings are not the same as liking. Good point. And I'm yeah. not saying you well, can't I did like, like it, it as a five either. I'm just saying like there is a difference between knowing a thing and liking a thing. Yeah, there's because I was a strong uh, uh, rating on the core, but I don't want those. <laughs> but to you be don't mistaken. want that to be <laughs> I don't as want an endorsement to of it. the core. So I think I liked it. Uh, it does not hold up in a lot of ways today. Yeah. Uh, it is a movie that perhaps Whoopi Goldberg should introduce uh, in some places. Uh, I think I would give myself a five just because I have seen it very recently. I liked it fine. It is definitely not a movie that will be in my like favorites list. Yeah, I would go similarly. I think it would be about a five for me because either I hadn't seen it or it had been a very long time. Um, but I did watch it like last week, so it's very fresh in my mind. Um, yeah, I mean, I liked it fine. It's just it's not like it made it into my pantheon of like oh, now I have to watch this every year for Christmas because it's a Christmas movie. It's, yeah. honestly, it's not really. It's kind of tangential, yeah. but I watch Die Hard almost every year, and that is very tangential, but it's I just like... It's not funny enough to make it into that place. No. Like, the, like, there's funny bits, but I think a lot of the jokes rely on you being a person in 1983 still. Yeah. yeah. That, is, that, is, that is the other thing. It's like, it didn't age super well because it's kind of racist though it also kind of knows it seemingly like it was a weird dichotomy but that doesn't make it okay just like 
Well, this is what I was talking about when we brought up Blazing Saddles and how you guys were like, I don't know that that feels like good anymore. To me, this movie, uh, and I'm sorry, I feel like I'm talking over both your ratings, but like this movie um, feels different than Blazing Saddles in that like Blazing Saddles, it feels like the point of it is to undercut and spoof racism. And in this one, it's just like racism is existing and there's no... Like it feels like Blazing Saddles is punching up yes. consistently. This film felt like it was punching in two or three different directions. Yeah. That's the thing is like the the bad guys in the beginning of the movie, the bad guys are pretty consistently racist. And mm-hmm. you're like, okay, bad guys having bad opinions is okay to me. Bad guy equal racist bad guy. Right. Race is bad, bad guy's bad, everything bad in one pot, sure. But then like <laughs> Dan Aykroyd starts getting into it and you're like, but he's supposed to like be kind of douchey, but then, like, come around. But it's, like, late in the movie where it's, like, oh, he's grown as a character, and then he does something that you're, like, but apparently not in all the ways he should have. Like, uh, and that's the thing about, like, Blazing Saddles. You could argue it, it hasn't aged well, but there is a lot of, like, look at how dumb these, ra- like, they trick crowds, and they, like, get away with things and do all this because they're too dumb to see through anything but their hatred. Right. This is definitely, like, oh, we're just racist because... Of course we are. And it's like good and bad. It's like, well, yeah. that doesn't see it, it. Yeah. It's indiscriminate punching to yeah. your point, Damon, in a way that I don't love. No. Also, <clears throat> no one's really good to women. No. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Although there's really only like two. One, one and a half movie. women. Yeah, well, there's Jamie Lee Curtis and whom? Well, and I'm his thinking girlfriend of girlfriend from the beginning. His girlfriend. Oh, from the beginning. Yeah. But I'm thinking She's of all the shit, times though. that like every woman got her boobs grabbed or like. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, it's garbage around. I mean, it's like, <laughs> yeah. Part of that being, uh, this fails the Brechtel test like super hard, oh, which yeah. I mean, I'm sure every movie from this two decades does. But. Uh, I don't know. Nine to five probably did okay. And still Magnolia's. Those, there's Those two. two. <laughs> we did it. One per we decade. There's two. Um, sorry. So, yeah, Damon, so, you're rating. Yeah. I think I said a five. If I, I don't know. I if think I so. So it. here's the thing. They leave a lot of this out of the TV edit. I'm sure. <laughs> I, I bet you'd be a lot higher on the TV edit. Yeah, this movie is a lot easier to remember fondly when you watch just the TV edit on Comedy Central from like 1999 to like 2004 when I think they finally decided that... The, <laughs> That's enough. ...that the rest of it also wasn't fine for TV. <laughs> um, uh, so like I remember like liking it because I like comedy, mm-hmm. but like... I've also grown up considerably and like my opinions on comedy have changed a lot. Um, and like, I also just feel like it's, it's also like where it is funny. It is funny in a way that a movie from 1983 is, yeah, which is exhaustingly slow in this day and age. <laughs> I was going to say, like, I still feel like the movie's got a good pace to it, but the like comedy of it is the humor land. The moments land differently. Softer. This is like yeah. when we watched Meatballs, and we were like, "Oh, I could see why people liked it when this happened because this was probably pretty new." But for today's standards of movie, this is so unbearably slow. Yeah, and nothing makes any sense compared to the. And by Meatballs, it. you mean Stripes. What's Meatballs about? Meatballs <laughs> is the one where Bill Murray goes to camp. That's not the one I saw. No, you saw the one where Bill Murray joins the army. 
Aren't they the same movie? Basically. <laughs> Largely. <laughs> it's like yeah. Meatballs, Stripes, and Caddyshack are all like Bill Murray. But Bill Murray is something. also not as major of a character as people remember from Meatballs. Meatballs oh, really? is primarily about the kids. Bill Murray is just like the poster child for it because Bill Murray got super famous right after it came out. Is he like the cook? He's like he's like less important than his character in Caddyshack is. Oh. Um, and his character in Caddyshack is way more tangential than people remember. Yes. Also true. That is so. true. I like Caddyshack, but it is definitely like he is not that important to the yeah. movie. It's fine. I don't like Bill Murray that yeah, much. It's like Hot all of those take. movies all of those movies came out and then Ghostbusters happened. And then they were like retroactively and put Bill Murray on the cover of that movie. Exactly. Yeah. I see. The reprint yeah. had Bill like starring Bill Murray. Ah. When yeah. VHSs finally came around, they were like, Oh well, put Bill Murray on that. Um, Whatever, Bill Murray. So all that to say, <laughs> I watched this movie a lot as a kid on TV. <laughs> sure. Um, and I think this was it my... Was 27 minutes. And, uh... <laughs> yeah. And with a lot of yeah. commercials. And Jamie for... Lee Curtis is hardly in it. So. <laughs> I was going to say, well, how do they get around in, that? Like, three scenes. Yeah. yeah. They didn't. What a shapely <laughs> Just... woman. <laughs> um, but... Uh... I've seen this movie in full like twice and like I saw it long enough ago to forget all of like the like on the face racism. It was also like 2012. So like Obama was president and racism didn't exist. So right. Racism was uh, done. Yeah. Too bad. Uh, racism had to come back. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, we're talking around it a lot. There's a prominent scene of blackface in this movie. And I feel like that, oh, yeah. that's like top well, of the there's list. There's also specific comments and, and jokes some slurs and yeah. like yeah i mean it's just it's problematic in a number of places yeah yeah but a good guy does blackface and you're like yeah wow hachi machi yeah put and no. like for no reason right yeah. yes well, not that, not he could have been literally so there's the thing. ever a reason it's required but like they're basically he's basically running a distraction so he just needed to be like wild and interesting and like distracting could have been on, Irish. Could on, have been English. Could have been cowboy. Wearing a could mask. Have been anything. On a train where everyone else oh, yeah, is in was, a Halloween it, by costume. The way, it's, yeah, ha- no, I think it's New Year's. It's New Year's, but they're all, like, wearing, they're all costumes. wearing costumes. Which thing. Is a thing like, that don't do a costume do. party for New Year's. But like, yeah, he could have like, yeah, he could have come in as a literally anything. Yeah, to yeah. your point. Like, pick any costume. He could have been a ladybug for all that it mattered. Oh, that'd be adorable. Okay. Yeah. Gotta be well, real. Also, I really like Dan Aykroyd, and that was like, oh no. But that's the type of thing. Like, it's. I don't know that any of in any individual who was making that movie would have like made those same choices in a vacuum. You know. No. Like. Yeah. That. It's feels this like weird it was collective thing. Ultimately, yes. I mean, probably the writer or the somebody had that idea, and he didn't say no, and then Aykroyd didn't say no, and like Murphy didn't say no, but like. You needed somebody with just enough cojones to take a step back. Like, and it's hard do it. it's hard to do, right? When eight yeah. people want to do something and you don't want to. It's hard to take that step back and be like, listen, no, this is bullshit. But somebody in that movie, probably the director ultimately, because you know, they sign off on the last decisions, needed to come up and just be like, This is a dumb, bad thing we're doing. Let's not Let's do skip it. Skip it. You also yeah. have to remember that like even being like 1983, like that was still very early for all of those people in that movie. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's not like Murphy was like walk and like, I'm not doing it if this happens because they would have yeah. just been like, okay, we'll replace Cause it. Like, right. I feel like now it's like, but Beverly Hills cop hadn't happened it. yet. Ghostbusters hadn't had happened happened yet. Yeah. Um, they were just barely off even of- for Landis. Like, I feel like he, I don't know what his like first major thing was, but I think this was super early for him. Yeah. So like, they also may not have like, 
not to defend them because like ultimately they agreed to do it. Yeah. But like, I just feel like they maybe didn't feel like they had the power in the situation either. But again, I'm wondering if maybe nobody did and just somebody just just needed to And also societally, they didn't think it was a bad thing. Right. Or at least didn't think about it the way they should have. Exactly. And to be clear, we all think it's a bad thing and it was always a bad thing and should not have been done, but it was done. And it's just something I like, I turned to Damon and said after we finished watching the movie that made me like think about how like a lot of older guy comedians especially are getting like caught in in trouble for like things they've said in their past and the way that they currently behave. And like uh, in no way will I ever excuse them for those things. They're, they're bad and wrong and they should know better. And especially nowadays they should know better. But like when you look at the climate of comedy and the world of like the performing arts and theater and the general world, like I can see why, why someone today would be like, but that was fine. What are you talking about? And like, that's on you for not keeping up. And it's on you for, uh, not growing and changing. Uh, I don't really want to hold people super accountable for terrible things that they did and have like atoned for. It's such a fine line though, because it depends on the terrible, right? Like if you made a comment that is totally heinous today, 30 years ago, it's still heinous and it shouldn't have been done, but like how heinous was it at the time? And I wasn't Publicly alive. Accepted. I don't, I don't know. Right. Like, yeah. and like what relationships said, have you had since then that have like informed your opinions on right. things and like, how have you grown as a person? Right. Like, but then there's the other side of that. If you force yourself on someone, that's, that's wrong always any time yeah. ever. Right. You should so always like, know that. Right. So that's like, it's like, it, it's such a, it shouldn't be case by case and it isn't case by case because bad is bad. But at the same time, I and I don't want to make it case by case because then it's very easy for certain people to be like, well, this time it's okay and this time it's right. not, which A, is bad for them because they should learn certain things are not okay ever and there is no excuse. And it also just makes life hard and weird and then people start doing the whole like, well, if we didn't get mad at so-and-so, we can't get mad at this person. And it's like, that's all right. That's not how that that's, works. Yeah. But it is weird, like, that line that certain things will n- are just straight up no and certain things, I don't know. It's, it's, man, I mean, we're not going to solve it on this podcast for sure. No. Um, but it's like, I don't know. I think about how, uh, the culture of things, even just like a few years ago when I was starting to do comedy, like was still of the, like, you just kind of laugh it off because we're all close enough for those things to be okay. And like, you don't take it personally. It's a joke. That's what jokes are. And like, I think that we... (sighs) have started to like decide who makes jokes better nowadays. And, uh, it does not excuse past behavior at all, but it is like, you know, uh, apologize for things that you did that you were not aware of being ignorant of. And then, uh, do better. And that's what we can ask of you. So everybody be Danny DeVito. Everybody be Danny DeVito. You guys, just after we recorded that episode, I like found an article about like all the amazing things Danny DeVito has fucking done in his life. And I was like, Jesus Christ, can you make this man a saint? He's so good. <laughs> everybody be Danny DeVito. Just hey, everybody. Danny DeVito. Merry Christmas. This is a Christmas episode. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, oh, boy. Anyway, I'm a woman in the world and it's been a confusing time to be a woman. <laughs> Now, maybe we'll do plot really quick because I also just have a very like structural problem with that uh, problematic scene on the train. Yes. Um, so the plot is is that these two terrible eugenics like old men 
um, eugen- eugenicist old man. Eugenicist old, yeah. Yeah. Well, one is a eugenicist. One is a eugenicist. The other one is like a weird social Darwinist and is like. It's like also yeah. not correct. One of them also believes. Not. They're both wrong. Yeah. <laughs> One of them believes that people are terrible because of blood, and the other one believes people are terrible because they come from broken homes. Yeah, they're both. So it's like they're both <laughs> terrible viewpoints. <laughs> they're like, you're an asshole because of nurture, or you're an asshole because of nature. Yeah. And basically, they make this, like, uh, this wager that they are able to make Eddie Murphy, who is um, a man down on his luck, living on the streets, panhandling, switch places with Dan Aykroyd, who is their. Um, what position business manager, business like manager like for their manager. brokerage firm? Yeah, but like he's like a you know Harvard, Princeton, something like that. Like Harvard, it's definitely Harvard because he says it yeah. all the time. Well, whatever. The point is like he's Silver you'll know Sp- because he'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> well, not in Boston. Uh, <laughs> they're trying to basically make the argument. One of them's trying to make the argument to the other that basically Silver Spoon guy could never be replaced by anyone but Silver Spoon guy, and the other one's saying no. If I did enough terrible things to Silver Spoon, he'd he'd lose his mind. And if I gave homeless guy enough money, he would become classy. Right. And like the right set of circumstances, uh, the Silver Spoon guy is going to rob and steal and murder. But they go about that through like very underhanded means. Like it's not a, it's not a very scientific uh, experiment no. to begin no. with. It's just a bet really. Yeah. And it turns out to be for a dollar. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, they like hire, they have like somebody on their payroll to do dirty deeds and they like basically use him to destroy Dan Aykroyd's life. Right. They like, they take away his money, his friends and his fiance. Yeah, they like frame him for stealing. So he like gets all of his bank accounts frozen because they think he embezzled and they. And that he was dealing PCP. Right. They plant yeah. drugs on him when he gets arrested. So then he, that happens. And then they like pay a prostitute to like make out with him. In, in front, front of, of his, his girlfriend, so she dumps him, and like da 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 da. Yeah, I mean, like you know, totally fair. As you do, right? Like your boss does to you occasionally. <laughs> God, I gotta <laughs> tell you guys, this year has been rough. <laughs> uh, Merry Christmas! And then Merry Christmas. They uh, bail Eddie Murphy out of jail and uh, give him a job working in Dan Aykroyd's position. They basically, basically give him everything Dan Aykroyd just had. gives him Dan. Yeah. Just gives him Dan Aykroyd's life. Basically. Which, by the way, they tell him his starting salary just to start the money conversation is going to be $80,000 a year in 1983 in money. That's the equivalent of $200,000 a year. Holy crap. So we were like, like, that's a lot of money for like, uh, no, it's a, a, it's a job. lot of money. That's like, a lot, a lot of money. Yeah, No, you could live pretty good on 80. I mean, you can live pretty good on 80 now to be clear, but yeah. you could live real nice Clark on 80 then. <laughs> and they're in Philadelphia. They're not in New York even. So he could totally afford a, a very nice house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although you kind of get the impression that maybe the company pays for the house and Butler a, because they well, he says it in, out loud, right? Like, right. You would have 30 days. Yeah. And also like, they, he breaks that vase inside that house. Well, the butler like, says it insured. in that <laughs> weird expositionary scene when he's on the phone, like telling you that he's in on the plot. Oh, yeah, basically. Yeah. Like, yes, sir. I guess if that's what you want me uh, to it's do. It's your house person, and I work for you. So yeah, if you oh, want me to destroy a human yeah. life, I guess I can do that. Sure thing. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me why he would be on their side in the end. Because they signed Because he's paychecks. a wage slave. No, no, no. I don't mean the bad guys. I mean the good guys. Like when he Why he would switch yeah. sides? Because he can become a millionaire. Um, just to feel alive, basically. <laughs> Honestly, sir, it's for the thrill. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only way I can finish, sir. 
<laughs> See, now we have to talk about the overcomer. <laughs> um, by overcomer, do yes. you mean? Uh, <laughs> so we went excelling to go, at things. We went or? to go see uh, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, which is excellent. I haven't seen it. Oh, but I, I will like go. Jake again. Johnson. Oh my god, everything is so good about that movie. I love it so much. But to start, there was a bunch of previews for these like inspirational Christian movies, which I like never seen previews for before. Just like I guess they got to be somewhere. Uh, but one of them, one of them was about. I don't know, even, it looked like it was about, like, everyone was running a race or, like, doing some sort of It was thing. about the Vegas, there's, like, hometown sports team, Christian come-together thing. It didn't look it like it had like, a plot. Yeah. But the title was The Overcomer. <laughs> and I looked at Damon and I went, Pfft, and we were laughing next to this little boy. In a children's movie. Like, <laughs> a matinee of a children's movie. Like, we're the oldest people in the theater without children. And it's like, <laughs> we were... <laughs> we were giggling like like children. Like, like, it won't stop. <laughs> uh, he's so dehydrated now. <laughs> Call your doctor if you experience. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I just feel like on this episode in particular, we've gone to like the, the gamut of serious to very comedic, uh, talking about blue stuff. So Welcome I feel like it's life. fine. You know. Yeah. This is like a perfect summation of 2018. I'm a fully realized creation, damn it. <laughs> I'm um, a human. So anyway, I they contain make this multitudes. Bet. Sorry, I didn't mean to go No, back, you're fine. But, uh, they make this bet, um, and they drive them each, one to the poorhouse and one into the heights of luxury. Uh, Damon, you want to pick it up from there? Yeah, so uh, Dan Aykroyd uh, goes a little mad, as you would if your life suddenly, like, disintegrated in front of you eats a whole half of a fish that he's been hiding in his dirty (laughs) santa costume he breaks through the santa beard (laughs) he breaks into the company party and like pulls a gun on Eddie murphy and like uh creates this big scene that like proves to the dukes the the evil the evil racist old man do you think they're supposed Um, to be the cock the coke coke i don't think the coke brothers really a thing in 1983 not in the way not in a way that they would have been parodied this way well maybe not parodied this way but i think they were a thing and because they're like six-year-old and i think they were a thing in the 80s but for years but i don't think they would be the the ones being parodied here no um but uh johnson and johnson clearly (laughs) um but uh well on the other side of this whole thing is so these two old men run a commodity brokerage which is probably what we'll talk most about yeah the money side they explain it pretty well they they explain a lot of things really well it's just like up until the part that they do something 20 minutes they do not do a good job explaining it yeah then I knew what was happening. Wave their hands like there's yeah. a lot of an explanation of like this is what commodities are. This is like how we make money doing this trading. Like this is you know it, explaining how this system works up until like the actual thrust of the climax <laughs> the of point. the movie, um, when just like I think you have to understand just like how the stock market worked back then, and like th- I feel like you don't get a good sense of what Dan and Eddie's intention is in the last scene other than like they do something to remove money from the Dukes and make them quite a bit of money. Yeah. I, I will say I, I was painting nesting dolls at the time, so I was a little distracted, but I also but I don't, still think, don't think I like, would have. I've paid attention to that scene every time that I watched it and I have no idea what they do. Ultimately. I know that they, 
So just to wrap they, the plot really okay, quickly, yeah. um, Eddie catches them like revealing their plan to each other at, at the end of that at that holiday dramatic party. scene at the holiday party. He goes oh, maybe finds it was before that, but whatever. Um, he goes and finds Dan Aykroyd. They decide that they are going to team up together to um, to get back at the the Dukes for this evil that they've done unto them. Gotta say, a really dark scene where Dan Aykroyd tries to kill himself just yeah. gets super glossed over. Yeah, the doctor's like, he'll be fine. <laughs> and you're like, no. okay. A few times, like yeah, he tries to shoot himself, but and... the bullet, the gun doesn't work until he throws the gun away, and then yeah, the gun then, shoots. Then there's a slide whistle where it like you know breaks a glass off scene or something. Yeah, and then he takes pills in a bathtub, and you're like, oh my god, yeah. this is dark. A very the only thing upsetting ad because it's worth talking about is, and he is like, throughout this, he like runs into the prostitute with the heart of gold. Like she gets paid, <laughs> I think like a hundred bucks or something to make his girlfriend see appear to his girlfriend that he has been with this prostitute. Mm -hmm. And then it turns out she's just like a hardworking girl who's doing this so that she can like get into retirement and like not Mm -hmm. have to do it anymore. And she gives him a house and like a roof, I should say not a house, but a roof and like food. And it's like, stay here till you're back on your feet. And then she's like, helps them with this overly complicated plot to, Get rich yeah. quick. Well, to more to like get their revenge, although they do get rich by it. So I think this last part will take a little bit of explaining um, because basically there is a futures report that is coming out, which Dan, do you want to explain what a futures report is? So it's not even a futures report. Oh, it's not. It's a crop report. It's just a crop report. Excuse yes. me. About the status of corn. OJ. OJ. So commodity, let's kind of take a step back. Commodities traders um, trade in physical goods. So pork belly in this one it's frozen oj which is a real thing um (laughs) coffee gold silver platinum coffee wheat soybeans these are all things that you can trade as a a uh commodities broker what did you mean frozen oj is a real thing no, I mean, like there's, there's actually, actually a market. A for frozen oh, okay. Oil. I was like, I just, not I was like, like yeah. I, didn't, I didn't think frozen oranges was made up. <laughs> like you only it's ever just had like, fresh. <laughs> that one is the one that sounded the weirdest to me. That like, there's like a selling bacon. Bird. Okay, fine. Selling gold, fine. Selling wheat, fine. Selling frozen OJ to me is always just like, why is that a commodity? Yeah, well, it is. It does strike me as like the silly thing that like made them think this was a funny plot to create right. to begin with. It was like. But it, like, if you had only seen the movie, you would think that out of all of them is the one that's made up. But it's kind of the central point of this movie. But it actually is not. Um, so anyway, you can do a couple of different things. Some people actually. So it's originally for mainly people who produce these commodities. Mm-hmm. That was the original intention. Because the idea is, if I'm going to produce a farm of wheat, and let's say we have a great wheat crop, um, and there's way too much on the market. I just spent my whole year producing it, and if it cost me a dollar to produce every X amount, and it's selling for 80 cents, and I only get one shot a year, like, I can go out of business. Or if I am thinking about, hey, I need to buy a new piece of equipment, and it costs $6 million, and I think this year I'm going to make $10 million, but I could easily make six, and then I'm total wash because I bought this piece of equipment. It basically allows you to buy or sell your product in the future at a certain price. So you might say, hey, yeah, if it's a... If I have a good year and everybody else doesn't produce much, I might wind up selling this for 10 but instead I'll lock in the price at 8 buy my $6 million piece of machinery, and know I have a guaranteed two that I'll make, 
no matter what happens and just kind of like it lets you invest and like have a kind of a secure future but like many financial products it's also traded so it's also just bought and sold so i could say hey i think people aren't understanding how there's been too much rain in indiana so there's not going to be as much soybeans as everyone thinks so i'm going to offer to uh buy it at x price and knowing that I could probably go back and like I'm going to early in the season offer to buy at a dollar knowing that I think by the end of the year it'll be selling for four dollars so I will have a contract to buy it from you Liz at a dollar mm-hmm. and a contract with you Damon to sell it at four basically guaranteeing myself three dollars in profit yeah. is the idea okay. okay that you can do that doesn't always work that way but yeah so in this movie the Dukes the the evil eugenicist and his brother <laughs> Yes. The evil eugenicist and the other guy. <laughs> yeah. The other one, we don't... Social, social Darwinism, Darwinism. I would say. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. The two shitty guys. Yeah, two shitheads. <laughs> um, they have hired someone to steal the crop report under the impression of if we know how the weather affected the crops in Florida, we know how that's going to affect... The OJ market. Before everyone else knows. Right. Because yeah. if we produce a, if they have a great year in OJ, in, in oranges, orange juice is going to be low in price. Mm-hmm. And if like terrible hurricane wiped out a ton of crops, then we'll know they're not going to produce enough orange juice and it's going to be very expensive. So this is insider trading, right? Is yes, it? but it's technically was not illegal at this time for commodities. Oh. Well. It was in the stock market, but they literally actually passed a rule called the Eddie Murphy Law. Wait, really? What? on this movie. Really? Yeah. That's amazing. So, fun factoid for you today. Good job, Eddie Murphy. Also, good job getting it named after you and not getting it named after Dan Aykroyd. I don't actually Probably think Probably easier it's... to spell Eddie Murphy. I think it's like Dan... colloquially. I was about the... to say, it was known as the Dan like, Murphy law. Murphy's Law because it was funny <laughs> to say Murphy's Law. It's not actually called, it's called like, you know, Some Bill of... TK371 Act 2 at illegalized. It's a good best, da, it's da, da, like da. Senator 1, Senator 2. Yeah, at best, like... yes, the Heath Brown, some yeah. bullshit, something. It's George Lucas's first movie. <laughs> THX eleven. We're fine here. Thank you. How are you? (laughs) Boring conversation, anyway. Uh, (laughs) Um, so not illegal. I thought they were doing something illegal. Technically not illegal. Well, to be shady for sure. (laughs) It was not illegal to trade at that time on insider insider information in commodities. Okay, it's probably illegal to to steal steal a government report. Would have still been illegal. (laughs) Yeah, potato potato. (laughs) So like they did illegal things here, but technically the. But if like the, if it had fallen out of an airplane or out of a car and you picked it up off the street, it was not illegal to use it. Hmm. Today in like stock trading, if. You know, I, if Damon left his laptop open, not intending to give me illegal information, but I read something about his company that I was not, that was material and non-public. If you trade on it, that's illegal. Okay. Would Damon get in trouble too? I would probably get censured. I would say the company would probably once I got, if I ever ratted on him, the company would probably have a talk with him about his security protocols and everything else. But like not technically. Legally, I wouldn't be under yeah, not a ton. Yeah. Unless, hey, you could, unless you could prove it's like totally negligent, right? People yeah. tried to do that whole thing where it's like, I didn't know they were going to look at it. And they like, you know. <laughs> they I left accident- it open in a Burger King. Yeah, I accidentally <laughs> sent them an email with it and then told them to please delete it. Whoops. Right? Like, yeah, yeah, okay. No, you clearly did a crime and we're trying to pretend ignorance. but Don't do a crime, Dan. I try. Okay. Yeah. So this was an illegal <laughs> then. Again. 
But stealing the... Tangentially not illegal. Stealing the report, I mean... That was the crime. They have, like, a deep throat style, like, pass-off. That's not a thing you do for For, an illegal activity. (laughs) You don't do that if you're not in trouble. Unless you're, like, you have a really fun time. Yeah, unless you're, like, big into parking garage architecture. Like, you don't... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Technically, again, it was not illegal to trade on this information if they could have got, somehow gotten it in a legal way. They just didn't get it. Didn't in a get a legal way. way. Okay. Okay. Uh, so, through a convoluted and problematic set of events, Yikes. they intercept this information on a train from New York to Philadelphia um, through a complicated scheme. Are they trying to imply that that Dan Aykroyd is like forging? a second set of those documents in that bathroom before he joins them in oh. the car. No, he, they switch it. They do but switch they it. Have a but they already case. have it. Uh, Eddie Murphy takes it and gives it to him in the bathroom. Wait. Before Eddie, Mur- before Dan Aykroyd comes into I the was car. Painting a they, doll. they would have had to have it. So the idea here is they not only steal the report. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They actually switch it with a, incorrect report yeah right so that they the have to evil give it to Duke them. brothers are betting betting effectively and i'll explain it more in detail but they're effectively betting the wrong way right while yeah. the good guys know the right information that is in direct so then he di- was direct opposition eddie switches the briefcases before dan Aykroyd is ever in the car with them you don't need to switch the briefcases if you have another set of documents and you take the briefcase out of the car Exactly. That's what I'm saying is like they switch the the briefcases. Okay. First, Eddie Murphy then leaves with the legitimate briefcase, gives it to Dan Aykroyd, who's in a bathroom on the train, who I believe you're then led to believe is like fabricating new documents to put into that briefcase. Right, because he's in there a long time. Because they get caught trying to switch them back. My guess is halfway. My guess is they already have forged ones uh-huh. for and, both things. And what they're doing is they're just switching it in that briefcase. Okay. Although what they should have done then is just have a, have a briefcase filled with the wrong ones, switch it with the briefcase with the right one and just walk away with the right well, one. Why I would you like take them out and switch them if you, the fear and I'm giving them way too much credit here probably, but I guess the fear would be, (laughs) the fear would be that like, if he had something other than those documents in that briefcase, like he He would would be wise to it. My umbrella go or whatever. Sure. (laughs) Where's my pen? My grandma gave me. Yeah. Yeah, But they have to either have like, they have to have ready to go. This is about whether or not the orange cop has done well or poorly. Yeah. Yes. So they have to have ready to go two documents, one that says it did go well and one that says it didn't because they don't know what's in the briefcase yet. Oh, that's true too. Yeah. So they have to open up the briefcase to see because what it says. Because they don't know what the, the well, legitimate and, report is. The problem is, so a couple of things here just for the real world. <laughs> one, it probably wouldn't be it was a gangbuster year or it was a terrible year. It was probably be somewhere in the middle. So you'd have to have like eight sets of documents that like seem reasonable, but, but different. You know what I mean? So then what do you, maybe he was making a new set of documents, but like how I'm assuming these are printed out somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Or typed at the very least. Right. They were definitely at least typed because you see the guy like read it on the news and it's, you know, yeah. Um, The other thing is in this day and age, and maybe not in the eighties, I don't know. In this day and age, this would, not they like all stop trading and like listen, and listen. to like, yeah 
at least in this day and age, we have the internet, like they monitor literally commodity traders monitor the weather like daily and forecast. And like, this would be a blip. They would already know this information. So this yeah. would not be a big enough deal to make thousands of dollars. It on could or whatever. move the markets a little bit, but it's just not so impactful. And it's not so like, this is what determines what we do the rest of the season. Like this price would already be baked in. Okay. The markets might go, oh, better than expected, go up a, a bit or, you know, a down. But they would have a rough smidge. number. They would have a, okay, our projections are 122 and it turned out to be 128 or 118. But they would not be like, we have no idea. Wait for the government to tell <laughs> I us. I don't know. Wait till that man comes on the TV right. to say. And then we'll all stop and just look at him and find out. I appreciate that they're all wearing orange vests, though. That was a thing for a while. You would wear a color based on what you were trading? Yeah. So mm-hmm. somebody, they knew not to shoot you then. <laughs> I even think, I haven't looked at, because they don't do much trading on the floor anymore. I mean, they still do a lot of trading on the floor, but not the way they did. They might even have different like colors for buyers and sellers and stuff. I'd have to go back and look how it was all structured. It would make sense that they had different colored vests if you're like, because I know that there's like communicating with the people sitting in that like booth that you see them in the above Dome. the floor. Yeah. yeah. Um, so like you have to be able to pick out different individuals probably trying to give different signals and whatnot. So. Right. And in fact, that is part of the thing. The Dukes realize what they like that they're wrong halfway through this and they're like trying to get to the floor to tell their trader to do something different and are unable to successfully do so in time, which they're just good. too darn old. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's what you're led to believe. Curse these broken bodies of ours. <laughs> At once we were in our prime. Um, I could have aggroided with the best of them. So let's go through what actually happens here. Please. Because this movie hinges on one thing that you can barely hear. I don't know which one of them says it. I think it's Aykroyd. Uh, He like says that he's going to start buying at one point and like you can barely hear it. You can't hear the price. This entire movie hinges on that line. Yeah. I I literally rewatched this last scene with the... um, Subtitles? Subtitles on, so I was like, what the hell did he say? Because it seems very important. And did subtitles say indistinct? Said, no, as soon as it oh. said what he said, I was like, oh, okay, I get what this movie is doing. Cool. Oh. Yeah. Um, but well. it's like buried. Not buried, but it's just like everyone's yelling, which is true on the floor. So, so the Dukes believe that it's going to be a, a, a bad, bad year. So yes. they want to buy up as much orange juice as possible. Yes, so the way I broke So that this- then they sell it? So here's the way I broke it down. Okay. I broke it down by every like player's part, which oh, I think okay. would be Thank a decent you. way to describe it. Yes, this is good. So the Dukes have a fake report, and they think the weather hurt orange production. Okay. Okay. Therefore, the supply of OJ will be low, mm-hmm. and the price will be very high. Okay. Right, because demand will stay the same. So they start buying contracts to buy orange juice. Basically, at they tell their trader at basically any price. Yeah. So like if, if you really think there's going to be a terrible orange juice crop, it normally trades at 40 cents, but you're okay buying it all the way up to 80 because you think it's going to go to a buck 20. Okay. Right? Because you're just like, it's going to be so few orange juice, kind of, like so few, so little orange juice, it's going to be trading really expensive. So they expect the price to go way up. So that's what the Dukes are doing in the beginning. Okay. Then there are a bunch of general traders, just other traders on the floor who go, they do what's called chasing the smart money. They basically go, oh, if the Dukes are doing this, they make a killing as commodity brokers. They must know something we don't. They've, they've done a better analysis. They have people down in Florida tracking the weather, something. So we're going to buy two. We're all going to buy. Mm-hmm. And so the price goes all the way up to 142 which the way these are normally uh, d- 
delineated is per pound. Okay. So this would be a dollar and forty-two cents per pound of frozen orange juice, which doesn't seem like a lot, but I imagine most contracts are done in fifteen thousand pounds. It is concentrated, though. And <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> That's a lot more orange juice than if it's not concentrated. That was very clever, and I hate you. <laughs> uh, but in all seriousness, most one contract in orange juice is generally fifteen thousand pounds. Okay. Not a dollar forty-two. And this okay. is also nineteen eighty-three so money. Ten thousand. Eleven thousand, twelve thousand dollars, somewhere in that range. If I'm doing my math in my head right, okay. Um, which I'm not, but that's neither here nor there. It'd be more than one, so it'd have to be more than fifteen. But anyway, it's Christmas. Yeah, Everyone can do think. math poorly at yes, Christmas. Exactly. <laughs> uh, anyway, the good guys, what I'm going to call them, jump in and offer to start selling, because they know the price is not going to be that high. The price is, in fact, going to be much, much, much lower than that. How do they have orange juice commodities already? So basically, you're buying in the future. So they have some money from Ophelia and from the butler. Uh Yeah. Who have, like, given them their life savings to go do this deal. They're also implied that they're buying on what's called margin, because the Duke brothers get a margin call, which is basically a way of saying you can buy, kind of like you buy a house. You put some money down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you can buy like, okay, I'm gonna only pay fifty percent of what this contract would cost me, but then I can I can leverage, I can buy a little more than I can actually have the money to afford. Okay. But again, remember these contracts aren't settled for months, so in theory it'd be a whole rigmarole. They'd have to get their credit approved. They'd do all these things. But in, in this movie, for the sake of, we'll just kind of hand wave and say they have the money to do it. And I actually look at what they could do with the money we know they have. But like in theory, you could buy some amount with what they have on margin. Okay. Okay, so they did that somewhere off screen? Yes. In okay. theory, they did. They got a, a seat. Well, maybe not a seat, but they got the ability to trade on the exchange and put some money down and had an account open. They had their little tags. And said, okay, you have $50,000 in your account. Let's say you're buying on a 25% margin, so you could buy up to $200,000, right? Because that means your margin at $50,000. If you have $50,000 in the bank, you will have 25% of what you bought, and that's what we require. But that, does that kind of make sense? Where yes. they have to have 25% of the money they spend, so if they have 50, yeah. they could, yeah, okay. So they start selling, um, saying, hey, okay, you're need, you want to buy orange juice at $142 a, or $1.42 a pound? We will sell it to you at that price. And they get mobbed. They do a ton of business because everyone's like, no, 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 the price is going to go way up. Like, I can't believe these dum-dums are selling us that. Yeah. Then the crop report comes out. Everybody stops and listens to that little old man. Yep. And he says, yeah, it was kind of cold, but oranges did fine. There's going to be plenty of orange juice. Okay. <laughs> Don't you worry, children. There'll yes. be plenty of plenty orange of juice orange for juice your for Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> so the general traders now realize that if the crop report is good, the prices are not going to go up. So they now have a bunch of contracts that say they have to buy orange juice at a very expensive price, uh. right? So that's dumb. Yeah. So they could do one of two things. They could either just buy orange juice at that price, or they could also try to get a contract to sell orange juice to mitigate your loss, right? If I have to sell it to you at $1.42, I'm losing everything. But if I can also buy it or sell it somewhere else, so I'm buying it at $1.42. Yeah, I'm going to have regardless. more than I need. I have to buy it there. So if I can also get a contract to sell it at a dollar, 
that's better for me than if I actually think by the time the season opens up, it's going to be only selling for 20 cents, right? So I'm trying yeah. to lock in a selling price Okay. that is at least going to mitigate my loss. Okay. Okay. I think I'm following you so far. Commodities are really hard, I will say. <laughs> so at this point, the good guys flip the script. They start buying, right? And the price keeps dropping and dropping and dropping and dropping. So the way it ends, to just make it clear, is they have a bunch of contracts to buy orange juice at 29 cents a share. Mm-hmm. And In a theory, they're of... buying all the way down, but like, let's just say the ending It averages values, out, yeah. yeah. They, are, they are guaranteed to buy, buy orange juice at 29 cents a share mm-hmm. and have a bunch of sellers guaranteed at $1.42. I get it. So they're making a $1.13 oh. per pound of orange juice guaranteed locked in because when everyone thought it was going to be super expensive... They agreed to sell it at that super expensive price, uh-huh. and then when everyone realized later, oh wait, it's not going to be super expensive. They all they agreed to buy it at the very low price and are pocketing the difference. Oh, and now the Dukes does have this the okay. opposite? Oh. They have an, a contract to buy it, sell it at a dollar. Yeah, buy it at a dollar forty-two and sell it at twenty-nine cents, and they go bust. So they're going to lose that one hundred uh, and thirteen cents, a dollar and thirteen cents. For every pound. So does this big short the whole country? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> we were like sitting there thinking like, now how does this impact the rest of the country? Like, not at all. Not at all? Yeah. Okay. At some, yeah, some suppliers might have slightly more expensive or less expensive orange juice and everyone will get on with their <clears throat> lives and it really won't be that impactful. But oh, it's all right, then. waved over at the end that the Dukes like overextended their credit in order to do all this purchasing. Right. So They can't pay for it. We said that idea of Okay, let's say you can buy something on 25% leverage, right? Yeah. That means if I buy a contract at $1.42 or whatever, I'm, I'm not going to, I didn't do all the math on this yeah. one, but like you'd have to put down a certain amount. You have 30 cents something, right? Right, basically. And now it's not worth that amount, so you have to come in and make up to, it's actually probably the other way around. You probably put down margin when you buy, so they probably put down like 7 cents to buy it at 29 mm-hmm. but now they actually have to go and make it up to the 25% on the dollar 42 yeah. I could be doing this backwards because commodities are, are hard to keep sure. straight in your head but they probably have to come up with something like 70 cents a contract to make the exchange convinced that they have the money to settle mm-hmm. and so the exchange comes up and say hey you have 50 trillion contracts and we need 80 more cents a contract so now it's I think it wound up being like 400 million dollars and say, when they don't they have don't that, have that. It, yeah, it all falls apart. So does it bankrupt their company? Probably. Ah. Oh. Who gets the butler? Uh, well, nobody. He's he goes and lives he's on the island. That's right. He yeah. yeah, he's he's got his own butler. Yeah, uh, because a very enthusiastic island butler. <laughs> right. Uh, because I didn't do the actual math for how much their margin call would be, uh, and we don't actually know how much the. Uh, good guys are bringing to the table. We know that you have at least 42,000 because Ophelia at one point says I have 42,000 in treasury bonds and I'm like waiting to retire. So assuming you're buying at 29 cents a pound for 15,000 pounds per contract and you can get 25% margin. So you really have whatever that is, 160 to work with something like that. Uh, You could buy 241 contracts, which wind up, at making a, a dollar and thirteen cents a contract, wind up making you four million. Whoa. Whoa, 
Whoa. Uh, which in 1983 money? Is about yeah. 10 million, a little over 10 million in today's money. So that's two and a half million split four ways. And that is not including any Butler money. Yeah. Yeah. And Dan Aykroyd at one point says he has 150K in the bank. He just can't get it because he's under embezzlement charges. But if he manages to get that and or goes to his parents, goes to whatever and can get more. I mean, it because it's margined, it's because it's leveraged, a little bit goes a very long way. Yeah. So it's very potential that, potential that they made significantly more. Could we do the math on it? Yeah, whatever number you want. Let's say Dan Aykroyd has full access to all of his money and the butler has exactly the same amount of money as Jamie Lee Curtis. Okay. So that's 140, the 42 she had times two plus 150,000. Uh, they buy 1,345 contracts, which turns into 22.8 million Whoa. in 1983, which is 56, almost 57 million today. Ain't bad for some frozen orange juice. No. Um, I think it's smaller than that, though, because oh, yeah. like they make a big they make a big deal of the scene where like they give them the money to go do the thing with. Mm-hmm. Mm. So like I don't know that Dan Aykroyd has access to any of his money. I don't think so, probably. Um, but again, even if you just double Jamie Lee Curtis's, let's say the Butler has that, you still wind up making eight million in '83, which is the equivalent of twenty today. So five million five person. Million piece. That's still I, not bad. I, I could live an okay life on five million, right? Yeah, especially um, if you're an old man Butler. Yeah. So, yeah, and I mean, potentially he may he he might have more than forty two, just given where he is in his career stage. Uh, yeah, forty two is probably on the low side for the butler. Trying to figure out if you could figure out what the butler makes based on the other butler, but the only thing you know about the other butler that like works for the Dukes is that they give him a five dollar tip at the end of the year. Yeah, and he's kind of an he's, well, he's like I'll take it. myself to the movies. The he club, works at the club. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. I thought that was his their like particular butler. No, there's a lot of fancy houses in that movie. Yep. Mm. And I've got my poor glasses on. <laughs> I can't see. I don't know. What I, you know, one fancy house looks just like another fancy house. You got indoor plumbing? Oh, boy. I do declare. <laughs> they clash my pearls, but they're not real pearls. I mean, $5 million looks like enough to go and live on a little tropical island I was gonna say for Guam. a while. Yes, except they won't stay rich. Why? Why not? Did you see the boat they bought? Oh, well, I mean, he bought a boat, which, like, first yeah, bad choice. They, they the won't stay rich. It's a terrible investment. <laughs> don't, this is a real episode. Uh, moral Maybe is Merry Christmas, it. don't buy a boat. Chartering mm-hmm. a boat, fine. No big deal. Don't own a boat. For certain amounts of time. But owning a boat? I think the only place, the only, like, circumstance you should own a boat is if you're going to charter that boat to other people. Yeah, I mean, like, anything. I think else. you still lose money, probably. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a like, boat is just like a pool on, on water, ultimately. I think it's a poor financial decision that you're better off just filling with dirt. It's like time. <laughs> Dim has got opinions about pools and boats. Apparently. Boats as floating boat. graveyards. Apparently. <laughs> it's like owning a plane. It's like, why? When someone else can do all that work for you and you can still charter a private plane if you truly desire that. like Yeah, that's a good point. Boats are a lot of upkeep and you have to find a place to put them when they can't be in the water. Well... That was, yes. Chicago, was yes. saying, that was a very yeah. Chicago. I was about to say that was a very Chicago centric view. Like I think anybody in Florida would maybe not I was about have say, that they problem. They were clearly like in a Caribbean island. I think when it can't be on the when it can't be out, it's out. I was like, yeah. when it can't be out, there's a tsunami. Yeah, pretty much. Or a hurricane. Yeah, I think down there you hurricane. have to work harder to keep it in the water. Ultimately, 
I do think Hurricane, though. I don't think they Probably allow hurricane. tsunamis and not so like much. Guam or whatever. Yeah. They were in Puerto not Rico regularly. Not regularly. Not, yeah. not for You guys reasons. are thinking of typhoons, not tsunamis, which are Yeah, that's giant true. Waves. Typhoons are, are technically typhoons? hurricanes in the other hemisphere. Tsunamis are the oh. big waves. Oh, I didn't know that. I oh, know okay. what a tsunami is. Okay. Well, you guys were talking about two different things. Yes. Yeah. So. No, I was mistaken. You were right. I was yeah. saying tsunami, but thinking of typhoon. I was yeah. saying tsunami. The tsunami would also tsunami. remove it. The tsunami would also remove it from the the water. That's, I right. was thinking of well, tsunami. Well, no, it would first put it in a lot more water, <laughs> and then remove it, it from the water. Drag all the water away with the boat in it, and then it would put it on top of a mountain. <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully, that's all the damage that would happen. Tsunamis are very distressing to me, um, and to a lot of people. Uh, do we have other thoughts? Chris, Christmas. Quick sidebar. Yes. Very quickly. Give me it. Jamie Lee Curtis was 25 when this movie came out. She had 42,000, so let's assume that she did that equally since she was 18. That means she did it over seven years. That means she put 6,000 away a year. Treasury securities at that time were averaging about 9%, so if she did that for three more years, like she said, she'd wind up with about 68,000 plus the 9% interest, which would only get her about 6,000 in income a year. In today's money, that's 15,000. She was not three years away from retirement. She needed to work a lot harder, especially because <laughs> treasury bills were at a historic high at that point that they have not yet matched since. Uh, well, what if she moved to, like, like Lagos? Yes, possibly she could go retire in, like, Nicaragua <laughs> yeah. or and make that work. Yes, that is actually a thing that more U.S. retirees are doing because... I believe it. It's shittier. Uh, well, not shitty around here, just, like, if you're not... If you haven't been a good saver your whole life, which is understandable, there's a lot of, you know... You weren't making what you were expecting, or kids were expensive, or whatever. Or you expected a pension, and, and then suddenly you didn't have one. Right, anymore. exactly. Something like that. Uh, people think they're going to live on Social Security. That's unlikely to happen. So there are many people because you get paid Social Security even if you're living internationally. So there are many people who are living in much lower cost of living areas, which is why certain low cost of living cities in the U.S. are blowing up. But also many people are starting to retire abroad. I didn't want to spend 45 minutes talking about that like I knew we would otherwise, so I hit it quick and dirty. Oh, it was very fast. <laughs> uh, if it, I wish I, you just would have saved all that to do it after the outro. In your little whisper space. Uh, yeah, you'd have to get it in while the the um, exit theme song was playing. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's less long. than 30 seconds. Yeah. Uh, wow. There's a lot to think about. Like, maybe I could reti- retire to Nicaragua if I wanted to. Well, this is what bothers me a little bit about the FIRE community. I don't know if you guys are familiar with them. Financial independence. Retire retire early. early, Which Mm -hmm. are these people who, arguably in the community, are people who live very, 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 very frugally to retire very early. They save more than half of their income at least. I've never actually seen that work except for people who pair that and a very high income. Like, I do think they sucker a lot of the community in of like, if you save 50% of your income, you'll do it. But it's mostly like... Us two doctors making 400000 a year saved, like, more than half our income. And I'm like, yeah, because that's $200,000 a year. You if you and your partner it. make seventy five, and you and that's even higher than the national average, and you save thirty five a year, you're not retiring by the time you're 30. Like, I'm sorry, it's just not happening. Right. But I think there's some holes in that, which is, one, it sounds really good, but the community's only been around for five, ten years, so, like, nobody's really seen... Nobody's what inflation's going to yeah. do like, over 40 years. Like, yeah, okay, you can do it over five. The last five years, we've had the really low inflation, but do it over 40, and, like, that's not going to work. Like Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing, the other problem I have with it, um, so one is haven't seen inflation over the long term. We've had low inflation of late. Mm-hmm. Two, oh, save half your income. Well, that works if you're making a really high income. If yeah. you're making a moderate to low income, it probably doesn't. Um, and then also, like, People like the idea of not working, but I think 
I think you need purpose in your life, right? And like, it may be volunteer work or it may be a lower yeah. paying job that you hate less or something, but I don't think I could sit and watch Netflix 12 hours a day till I died because if I did, it'd be like five years I gonna from say, now. Well, I was going to say, I could, but it would be a lot sooner. I mean, like, I like even being on vacation where you're in like a new place. If it's a travel one, I can certainly do it longer. But again, the whole point is if you retire that early, you don't have you don't the spend funds a lot. necessarily. Like, you have to stay frugal in retirement. Not... Maybe as frugal, but frugal. So you can't be taking month-long vacations unless you want to go really cost of living, low cost of living areas. Mm-hmm. But well, like, I don't. Yeah, I don't think just being like done would give me enough purpose. Like, if I couldn't. No, I mean that's who, even like sitting on a beach for a week, which sounds great. Right, and it is great for a week. Like day, yeah, by day, like if I was there two weeks, by the end of the second week, it's like this is lovely, but I'm losing my damn mind. Right. Like, well, it also like. A, jello it also only has value in the scarcity of the time that you have to do so you know yeah like the week is rejuvenative because you have to return to something demanding it's a week off it's not just a week i really wonder like i agree with you both and like i feel the same way if i am like on vacation for longer than a week at a time i feel like kind of a like I've lost all purpose in life, but like, I wonder if that's a very American point of view and that like other countries or attitudes might not feel the same way. But we talk about this with like, that's what people are worried about with like universal basic income, like that people will stop working. And I think that it just frees up the opportunity. Like you said, to like, you get people uh, to do more volunteer work or to like, do yeah. like something that interests them that would not otherwise make them money. Like I think arts communities would really thrive yeah. with that kind of thing behind it. I don't it. need like work. I need purpose. Yeah. yeah. It could be every Wednesday I get together and I play Euchre with some friends and on Thursdays I volunteer and Friday I watch my grandkids and Saturday, like you can have a sketch, but like I need a reason to put on pants and leave my house. <laughs> and I mean, but honestly, if you retire yeah. at let's say 35, Hard to do with kids, but maybe you did it. Then you have some amount of purpose, but they go to school, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, not that stay-at-home parents aren't super valuable, but if you have two of them, is there enough work to keep you both active? And how much extra time are you putting into your kids that maybe would be better if they didn't have? <laughs> Leave <Yeah>. your kids alone. <laughs> um, and, or, okay, like, let's say, yeah, there's volunteer work, but your other purpose, like, if I retire at 65, in theory, you guys will be at soon or nearby and have some time to spend with me and Megan. If I retire at 30, I have 30 years of watching all my friends go to work every day while I, while you make new older retiree friends. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) While you spend the next 30 years watching them scratch at at my blackheads and you know, I don't know, like, uh, sounds fulfilling to me. Eat bonbons and clip my toenails. I don't know like what else you do. So Dan's seeming so well manicured lately. (laughs) I think there's like, he keeps getting shorter and now it's gotta be painful. Right. (laughs) I think with the fire community too, like the bloggers who kind of perpetuate it in a serious way, like create this myth because like they are still objectively working. Like, oh, I actually read a really good article about that the other day where like these people retired, but like somebody did the math based on their unique visitors and like there's a good chance your making... blog is making like 90 grand a year. And yeah, you retired from your like you both made 180 each. So you made like over 300 cumulatively. So it feels retired, but you're working like six hours a day on your blog to make a hundred thousand. You're just living a different working lifestyle. You're yeah. not. Yeah. Yeah. You're not doing you a 40 hour t- grind. Right. And maybe you could have totally taken, like turned off everything. So maybe you consider that a win because you could have, you just like what you're doing, but mm-hmm. that gets back to the idea of then you have a purpose, right? Like 
And you didn't choose to turn it off, but you're telling people you did. Yeah, I think that, like, uh, the conversation that we have about what work is and what, like, what you do with your money uh, gets so very, like, magical thinking. Like, the whole, like, if you just don't buy a latte once a week, you'll have enough to save for, like, whatever. I'm like, I "I don't think that's how the world works anymore, if that ever worked that way. But, like, the, like, retire early people... Uh, they're they're selling basically the same thing that people who are selling like magical face serums sell. That like if only you can be perfect enough and disciplined enough, you can rescue yourself from something that is not in your control entirely. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. like you you don't get to pick the socioeconomic status that you have as much as you would like to, and you have to work within your means. And if you are already living at the poverty line, there is like no way that you have enough room to save half your income you're not making enough to pay for things in the first place. I'm about to say, even if you could, like I said, it would be less, and, and you can't, because, I mean, they have all these graphs where they show, for an example, percentage of income that goes to housing, and as you would imagine, when you're at the poverty line, it's like 70% of your income goes yeah. just to housing, right? And when you're making 300000 it's like 8%. So, yeah, no shit. That oh, you can I'm, set aside I half your income. I managed to save half my income. Yeah, well, you didn't do you that weren't by doing anything lattes. else with you it. You did that by... <laughs> realizing that you could lease a Jaguar and it would still only be like 10% of your income, right? Like right. when yeah. for most people that would be my whole paycheck. So yeah, that's something that's good like, on you. And I'm not saying it's not good on them. Like, cause many well, no, people manage to spend all their income, even when it is extremely high. Like it's still good of you to have that discipline. All humans are consumers. Good for you for reining that in, but yeah. don't, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like they're patting themselves really a lot on the back. They're like, yeah, we have two kids. We live in expensive suburbs, and we still manage to save some of our six hundred thousand dollars income. Aren't I'm we like, so disciplined and talented to yeah, be able like, to do that? <laughs> maybe suck it. Yeah, like, and honestly, you know, it was amazing. Like, because since our parents put us through Harvard, like, we were able to start right out of school. And I'm like, well, you can suck a, a D school so in hard. Connecticut. I don't yeah. <laughs> but um, not that part. Well, of not that part of Connecticut. <laughs> well, not in Boston. Yeah. <laughs> but um. Uh, yeah, it just makes me think like, um, a lot of, a lot of advice and a lot of the, the way that we treat people who are struggling is to just like tell them to bootstrap themselves and like pull themselves up and save more of their money. And like, it is really unrealistic and very upsetting to, uh, think about like, you can't, you can't sometimes, and that's not your fault. Uh, it's a systemic, it's a systemic problem and, uh, the way to fix it is, voting and I would say writing and calling your representatives and senators, but like, (laughs) you know, (laughs) you know, it's 2018. I I think you should still do it. Uh, The one real piece of advice I will give though, as somebody who's worked with a lot of people come in with a lot of big dreams, some of which are very achievable, some of which are not. And you also meet with people who don't think they can achieve things. They super can, right? Like everybody's on the spectrum, but there's a lot of, advice and or articles and or exposés and or blogs and or whatever out there there's not going to be a one perfectly suited you but make sure what you read a you want to like their voice and the way they talk about things but make sure they're speaking to you as well yeah there is a blog for people who make six hundred thousand who want to save 50 percent of that and retire at 30 and it's a very probably a very good blog for those people but if you're not that person Find the blog written by the single mom who's making 30 and figure out what you like about the way she does it or he does it or whomever and do that because that's a great aspiration, but 
like you can't live that life and you might be able to get there right yeah. and then, but then listen to the podcast about how to get through school and then how to get the job and then how to and when you're there then that blogs for you yeah right? take but the like, advice that's applicable to you I, yeah there's so many people who are like oh i know this person who's making you know i read a blog they're making 200 off their blog and they you know spend three months a year in the hamptons i'm like well do you have a blog yet no and you're making you know 40 at work okay well i have a suggestion Keep doing your job, kick ass, and go listen to a bunch of things on how to get a blog and then how to make it popular and how to do it. And when you get there, that's for you. But like, just yeah. wanting, I want to do that. Well, you don't start there, right? Yeah. Like, that's not going to work for you. And wanting their life is great, but it's not going to get you there. And I know that sounds cruel, but. No, I mean, I think about that a lot, even in my own artistic career. And I've talked about this a lot with you, Damon. Like, that I look at people who are successful already and think, like, oh my gosh, I'm not. I'm not as talented as them and I'm not as good as them and I don't know what to do to like be like them. Maybe if I just do exactly what they do, then I will be like good like them. And, but I can't do exactly what they do because what they're doing comes from like years of practice and talent of like honing their talents and like working really hard and being kind of bad for a while. And so like you have to, you have to grow to the things you see. And it's really easy to see stuff on the internet and just assume that they are all the same place that you are in the world because that's how the internet makes everybody feel. Right. To your point. No, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, and it is that like, yeah, well, the reason you see them is because they've already gone through some of that stuff. So like go find the podcast where it's like B actors or whatever, like not B, but like people who haven't quite made it instead of like the, oh, this person's on everything right now. Well, yeah, after spending six years living in a shit box in New York, but they don't talk shit about house. that, right? Like, <laughs> uh, subscribe, you know, that just means like subscribe to a podcast. It's probably got like, I don't know, like a hundred something subscribers listeners. and like, uh, it's about money and it gives some good advice, but it talks about like movies that you might like and it has three kind of charismatic, but like not super famous, uh, hosts and like give them your money. I don't and know. It gets really blue and kind of, uh, real <laughs> on a, Christmas. A little yeah. dark. <laughs> This is a Christmas episode. Um, <laughs> I was just going to add to your points. Um, a good tool for what you two were talking about. Um, the blog Rockstar Finance has a compendium of financial bloggers oh. um, at different who report their net worth. Oh, nice. Um, and they, um, it's the spectrum all the way from this person is $200,000 in debt to this person has four million in the bank and is like on their way to retirement, like, and all different ages, all different walks of life. Like, um, you know, so if you're looking for some sort of financial advice to follow, that's like on par with where you are, I think that's a good place to start shopping. That sounds pretty good. I would also recommend, uh, Elizabeth Warren and her daughter's book, all your worth. I know I say that a lot, but they, um, talk in there a lot about like, building your budget to fit where you're actually at in your life and to um, achieve goals in a way that will be sustainable for you. And then also, you know, go talk to a financial advisor. We don't give advice on this show. No real advice. (laughs) Uh, Any other thoughts? Merry Christmas. (laughs) Merry Christmas. Life is hard. Merry Christmas. You might not be able to save half your income. I'm sorry. Anything? Yeah, but now I know what happens at the end of Trading Places. A yeah. movie I'm probably never going to watch again. I don't know that I will. <laughs> I don't know that I will. Bless you, Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy. Maybe if it's on TV. <laughs> I don't imagine they put this on TV anymore. I don't I, think so. <laughs> again, it's, it'd be a weird to fill a 41-minute time slot with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
I thought Jamie Lee Curtis was in this movie. <laughs> I could have sworn it was like an hour and 45 when I watched it. <laughs> the train scene was real short. Uh, anyway, thank you for listening to Make Believe Money. I've been Liz. I've been Damon. I've been Dan. Merry holidays to you. Uh, I know Hanukkah's like well over Way now. Way over this year, But yeah. uh, a happy, happy Hanukkah. Happy everything you might celebrate. Happy Christmas. Happy New Year. Um, we'll probably have another episode before the New Year, but you know. Whatever. No, we, we won't. We won't. Tuesday to Tuesday. Blessings. And New Year's would be on Monday. New Year's Day would oh. be on Monday. All right. Yeah. Well. I know because they're six days apart. Almost every year. <laughs> Almost every year. Um, happy New Year. <laughs> Rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts or your podcatcher of choice. Thanks, as always, and for all of 2018 to Charlie Miller for her music. Uh, and, um, you know, email us. Your New Year's wishes at makebelievemoneypodcast at gmail.com. I don't know. Maybe don't watch this movie. It's fine. <laughs> watch it on TV. Watch it on TV. For 45 minutes. For 45 <laughs> minutes. All right. Goodbye. I can't believe we talked about this whole thing and didn't talk about the guy got fucked by a gorilla. Yeah. Yeah. Cool.